If you would, turn to the Bible to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We started John last week with an introduction. I wore y'all out with those 13 points. And so now we're going to come back to the prologue of John, that introduction, and start walking through the passage um, as we normally do. This is going to be our MO for the next several weeks and months for a long time. We want to cover the whole gospel of John, but we're just going to start and go through it today. We're going to cover the first five verses. We're still in this prologue, this introduction. And last week, we, we, we pointed out 13 characteristics of Jesus. You know, that's where all Bible study should start, and that's where all inward reflection should start. You know, you're never going to really understand yourself well enough until you understand yourself in light of God. That's the truth. The mirror is not very helpful if you don't have a standard to base who you are off of, and that's very true, okay? And we say things like, we need to take a long look in the mirror and figure out who we are but if you don't have something bigger and greater and more, more permanent in your life like Jesus, then a look in the mirror oftentimes isn't very helpful. God is the place we look, and John is masterful in writing his gospel in that before he starts off on this awesome, helpful book for you and I, John is one of the most helpful books in the whole Bible. It's the go-to for many. We will study this gospel of John. I hope you're committed to it. You're going to be here every week, and we're going to study this word. We're going to see our lives find their shape in light of God. It's going to be good for us. We're going to hear things like, Jesus came to give life and give it to us abundantly. We're going to hear things like, in me you will have peace. And we're going to long for those things in our lives, and we're going to find them through Christ. But it won't be because they are in us in and of themselves. It will be because they're in Christ. We commit ourselves to him by faith. We surrender to him, and Jesus goes to work in us. John is masterfully writing this because in the intro to the Gospel of John, it's just all about Jesus. It's all of this great stuff about Jesus as we see down here in verse 17 of John chapter 1, that grace and truth come through Jesus. We want our lives to be defined by grace and truth. We want our lives to be true and honest. We want to be fake, hypocrite. We don't want to be deceitful. We don't be living a lie. None of that. And yet at the same time, we know we're not the standard, and so we need grace. We need grace in our lives. We need grace for other people. And the Bible clearly says here in John 1 that grace and truth came through Jesus, and we want to be about that. In studying John, we're going to see our lives find their shape in that. But our passage today brings up another word. If you look at verse 5, you've got the end of it, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so that today, in studying the first five verses, I want us to look at what it means to be overcome. The truth is, is that life is often overwhelming I know that all too well with the 2023 year that, that I had. I see it all too often as a minister and how many people's lives are overwhelmed and they feel overcome. We need to admit now that life is often overcoming to us. I remember years ago when the great Mike Tyson was about to enter a fight with the great Evander Holyfield Mike Tyson was asked, well, what do you think is going to happen since Evander Holyfield has such a good plan in his fight against you? And Mike Tyson has that awesome quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's a funny quote, but it is so true. 
This isn't how you thought life was going to go, and life has punched you in the mouth. Everybody's trained and knows how to do what they're supposed to do until life throws a tough one at you. You find yourself dealing with things that you weren't ready to deal with. If it wasn't this way, then you'd be this way. We learn that life can be very overcoming. That's our subject today, but you'll notice in the bulletin that the title is not you, the overcomer, although I want you to be the overcomer, but it is Jesus, the overcomer. Read with me, if you will, from John chapter one, the first five verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I said last week that John's gospel is written with the most simple and understandable and elementary Greek, the New Testament's written in Greek, with the most simple and understandable and elementary Greek of the whole New Testament. And yet John's prologue, these first 18 verses, deals with the biggest and highest truths of the whole New Testament. God has gifted his world and the church with this incredible passage of John 1, 1 through 18. Here we have John describing Jesus in such big, qualifying, rich terms. There is nobody like Jesus. I have three points for you today. Number one, and the kids using the listening pages can follow along with this. Number one, the ability to not be overcome, the ability to not be overcome, the ability to not be overcome. Jesus is the one who cannot be overcome. As John introduces his gospel and this introductory section, he introduces us the most impressive man there's ever been. He introduces us with the God man who we stand in awe of if we will read it. See, one of the problems of our day are people that know something about church or something about Christianity because of some influences, usually bad influences, but we know so little of what Christ is like. And when you start studying the Gospel of John, you're not finding the Bible saying, okay, well, here's what you wanna do if you wanna be a Christian and you gotta go to church and you gotta do this. The Bible's not saying that stuff to us here. The Bible is introducing to us how impressive Christ is that you and I would sit here on a Sunday morning and limit distractions and be overcome by the truth of Christ in all of his glory. When God created the world, Jesus was there. When God created the world, Jesus was there with God. When God created the world, Jesus was God in that creation. John uses in the beginning to take your mind back to the creation in Genesis 1-1 in the first words. Verse two tells us he was in the beginning with God. He's a person. He's the second person of the Trinity, the Godhead. He's the son of God while he is also part of God. 
Jesus is a fascinating study. Verse three tells us that he is the creator. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Whether we're talking about the beautiful uh, lakes that we have here in Kentucky, whether we're talking about the mountains that we have, regardless of what we're talking about, a sunset or the stars in the sky, Christ made them. John is forcing you right away in the first verses to deal with this guy is huge, this guy is powerful, powerful. This guy has all authority. And he's also that suffering servant that walked and washed feet and slept in the boat. He's wanting us to deal with how impressive Christ is so that then by his Holy Spirit's power, he would suck you into saying, I want to be about him. I want my life to be in him. I want to know him and love him and follow him. I want to be a Christian, a Christ follower. I want to live for Jesus because he's so impressive. Jesus is the overcomer. After he presents to us that Jesus is God and Jesus is big and Jesus is creator, he then starts to get a little bit more focused to spirituality, what we think about. Verse four says, in him was life. Life is such a heavy topic these days because we deal with so much death. Death is everywhere. Death is at Super Bowl parades. Death is in our midst. We don't go a day without hearing about death. Our families deal with death. The Bible teaches us clearly life is in Jesus. Eternal life, abundant life, real life, spiritual life, depth of life, the meaning of life is in Christ. It immediately goes from there in verse four and says, and the life is the light, was the light. And Jesus is described as the light in the world. D.A. Carson writing in his commentary on John 1 says, life and light are almost universal religious symbols, and we know that. In, 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 in our day, in our society, we know a lot of people that won't, don't want anything to do with God or Jesus. They don't follow Christ, but they love to use terms like life and light, and they're just trying to bring a little light into their environment, trying to bring a little bit of life and energy and all that. And I, I like that talk, too, because I know where the source is in Christ. And positivity is not a bad thing, but it's not the deepest thing. Positivity works when you're trying to overcome little troubles, but positivity in your own good vibes ain't overcoming any big hurdle that people are suffering with. Nobody's walking into a family at a Super Bowl parade in the hospital and somebody just got shot trying to bring good vibes to that and just shed a little light in that moment. No, it's about something deep and real. And all of our suffering families that we have here in South Louisville know all about that. Life's a lot harder than just a smile and a pat on the back. John is introducing us to the one who is the overcomer. Jesus has the ability to not be overcome. The world will try to punch you in the mouth, won't it? Yes, it will. The world's been trying to get at Jesus ever since the beginning. The world came hard at Jesus when Jesus came on earth. And as we're gonna study here in this gospel through a biography and a story of Jesus, you're gonna see that the devil comes hard at Jesus. The devil wants to get rid of him, humiliate him, 
hurt him, injure him, confuse him. The devil tries to tempt him to get him to sin. The devil tries to get him to compromise. The devil at times tries to attack him. And what we have over and over again in every story of Jesus is that he cannot be overcome. He is 100% God and 100% man. He will not fail. He does not give in. He walks the line. He finishes the race. He does it right. He honors God the Father in every way. Christ is the hero that your life needs. He's the example that your life needs. Christ is what you need. He has the ability to not be overcome. In this life, you will often feel discouragement and confusion. There will be times where you feel like you can't catch a break and that you're losing. And no matter how good things you try to get things, no matter how much you try to get things going well, you will feel like I'm just losing. I want to remind you here today or show you here today from John chapter one that God is never losing. God sits in the heaven and does all that he pleases. Christ came to this earth and overcame all that it had to offer, died on the cross and came back to life. He's dealt with every attack and he still reigns, he lives. He sits in heaven right now waiting for the command to be sent back from the Father to come and rescue us. Christ has never been overcome and he will never be overcome. He has the ability to not be overcome. In the passage that we read earlier from John chapter 16, Jesus is talking about the trials of life and the coming and the going and the way the disciples will struggle to understand all that's going on. And in John 16, 33, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The word from John 1, 5 is the word in John 16, 33, that Christ has overcome the world. It cannot overcome him. It will not overcome him. It did not overcome him. He cannot be overcome. It's where your life needs to have its confidence. It's the foundation that your life needs. God has never been losing, and he never will. So John introduces us, the Gospel of John, with these verses by introducing us to Jesus for us to see him in all of his glory and us to take away he is strong and certain and solid. He has the ability to not be overcome. That's number one. Number two the ability to be overcome. The ability to be overcome, that's us. We have the ability to be overcome. As a matter of fact, we all know people right now who are being overcome, who are in the struggle, who are struggling with it right now. This is not something that comes from confusion from the Bible. You don't read the Bible and say, why am I struggling so much? You read the Bible and say, I know why I'm struggling so much. Life is hard, the devil is real. I'm limited in myself, I'm flawed on the inside. My heart is sinful against God. We have the ability to be overcome. Once we get down here to verses four and five in our passage, after we've heard about the life and the light, we then see that there is darkness. 
doesn't say a whole lot about darkness here. It's going to bounce back to the darkness has not overcome it. Whatever darkness is and how much darkness there, there, there is in the world, it does not overcome the light. It can't overcome the light. Jesus is the light. But the darkness is this flawed, sinful world that is in the world but is also in us. Every human being is under the curse of sin. You and I, the nicest of us, the prettiest of us, the smartest of us, the wealthy of us, whatever you are and all that you're good at, and by and large, this is a good crowd of people here. You are nice folks. I was glad to see you today. That doesn't mean that in, this, in you is the capacity to overcome the darkness of the world. The Bible teaches us that in you is not the capacity for you to overcome the world. We, are, we have the ability to be overcome by it. Later in this gospel of John, the devil, Jesus teaches that the devil will come to steal you and kill you and destroy you. And without any pushback or argumentation, he does that quite a bit, does he not? I know some people have been destroyed by the works of the devil. I know some people have been stolen by the works of the devil. I know some people have been killed by the works of the devil. And so do you. It's all around us. That's what the Bible teaches. This foolish optimism, superstitious, fake religion of people who act like they believe in God, it ain't working. They're being overcome. No wonder so many give up on it. No wonder so many aren't going to read their Bibles because somebody hasn't presented to them the overcoming Christ. Somebody's tried to present to them, just stay positive and keep doing well and it's all going to work out for you. No, it's not. You read the Bible and you see that the darkness is very, very real. It's real in this world. I just want to share a few verses that say it. I want to ask you to believe it. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, we hear this. The great dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, he is the deceiver of the world. The Bible teaches us that so much of the world is being deceived. To believe anything other that Christ is the overcomer. The world is being deceived to believe anything else than that they need to surrender to Christ and believe in Jesus as the one who died on the cross and rose again, as the one that loves them more than anybody else. The world is being deceived to think, if I get love from somewhere that's love, it will be enough love for me, and that is the most disappointing love there could ever be. Nobody loves you as real as Jesus. And if anybody's telling you that you can be loved without the love of Jesus, they're setting you up to feel unloved at some point. We have the ability to be overcome. The darkness in the world is real. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The reason why there is so much disobedience in the world, doing things that God says not to do, is because the devil is working in people's lives to get them to live in ways that are not obedient and honoring to God. It's the way of the world, it's the plan of the devil, and it's the darkness that we see. 
The Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about darkness. There are a lot of dark things that the Bible presents to us. You don't need a lot of examples about darkness of what's going on in the world. They're, they're all around us. But it's John specifically in the Bible that, that uses the word darkness quite a few times. John uses darkness 14 times, and that's more than anybody else. Six of them are in his little letter, 1 John. Eight of them are in this gospel here, the gospel of John. There's only 17 times that we have the word darkness in the New Testament, and 14 of those are of John. John brings up darkness, though, as a way of helping us understand the light. Here in the, ep, in the, in the prologue of John, he doesn't say much about the darkness, does he? He doesn't elaborate on what's that mean. We have a whole Bible teaching us about how sinful people are. It's not really here, although I'm gonna to try to show you a few ways that we see it played out. But John brings up the darkness yet again so that you would understand the light. Let me remind you of this great truth on light and darkness. Again, D.A. Carson from his commentary. Light and darkness are not simply opposites. Darkness is nothing other than the absence of light. Let that sink in. If you've got a candle when the power goes out, the darkness isn't that bad. If you've got a flashlight when the power goes out, the darkness isn't that bad. What makes the darkness real is when there is no light. Tell me if that isn't what's happening to so many of your loved ones these days. It's not so much the darkness, it's the absence of light. That's where John is taking us. John doesn't want you and I to get caught up in how dark the world is and there's all this type of darkness over here and there's all this type of darkness over here and people are into these things and people are into those things. John wants you to see the darkness is real in our world today because there is so little light. John points out the darkness is there, the darkness is real, but the darkness cannot overcome the light. The first point is that the ability to not be overcome is in Christ. The second point is the ability to be overcome is in us. We will be overcome by it. Now, I know turning is tough, but I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4. I want you to see Paul describe this in a way, and I really hope you know this passage. If you can turn to 2 Corinthians 4, please do. I want you to see this. He's gonna describe this. He's talking about their ministry and trying to reach people in the world. And he's talking about how they refuse to be deceitful and tricky and they, try to, they, they refuse to try to do anything flashy to try to draw a crowd. He's talking about just the need to preach the word. But I want you to see how he describes it. 2 Corinthians 4 he says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Now pay attention here about how he's describing darkness. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in their case, the God of this world, that's the devil, 
has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God's heart said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What he's teaching here is that the darkness in the world is the devil's very desire to blind people from seeing Christ, to blind people from trusting in Jesus, from blind people from saying, yes, life is all about Jesus. Life is in Jesus. Light is in Jesus. He's the creator. He's the one. He's the most important thing. The devil is working to blind people from seeing that, and that's the darkness. But he says, when the gospel is preached and when the word is preached, it is God that goes to work on the darkness of people's hearts, shines the light into their lives, and causes them to see the light that is Jesus. That's the strategy of the apostle. It's the witness of our church. The the, the Fairdale community, the South Louisville community, the whole world is living in darkness that Christ is not supreme to them. And it's not us being nice that's going to overcome that. It is Jesus who overcomes darkness. And as we preach and tell and point people to Jesus, albeit while we love and serve them, God will shine light into their hearts and open up their eyes and cause them to say, yes, I want to live for Jesus. This is the way God does it in the world. But the way God does it in the world is by you and I admitting we are overcome. We have the ability to be overcome. It's not in ourselves. It is in Christ. J.C. Ryle commenting on this says, let us mark what kind of a being the redeemer of mankind must need to be in order to provide eternal and the presumption for sinners. If no one less than the eternal God, the creator and the preserver of all things could take away the sin of the world, sin must be a far more abominable thing in the sight of God than most men suppose. The dark is darker than you realize. I didn't grow up on Star Wars. But my kids have gotten me into it and and it's grown on me, I like it. Now we watch them. And I'll never forget where he, I don't even remember the names or the characters, but he, he kills his dad. And I remember after that going to my sons, man, the dark is pretty dark. The dark side is pretty dark. The Bible doesn't teach us that sin's not that bad and the dark's not that dark. The Bible is teaching us that very thing. We are lost in our sins, unable to overcome it. We've sinned against God, and that's not good. God's the light, and we're not. So Rahul goes on to say, the right measure of sin's sinfulness is the dignity of him who came into the world to save sinners. If Christ is so great, then sin must indeed be sinful. He is so great, and sin is so dark. We must understand this. We have the ability to be overcome. As I've already said, we all know people who are being overcome. I dare say that right now, we in the battle are being overcome. And we're not here today to say that God's word 
says that it will get better, or find it in yourselves, or you'll be able to climb out of it in and of yourself. Although I love encouragement, and we talk to people in ways that help them climb out, but we are here to say that God is able. We're here to say that Jesus has done it, that Jesus is the overcomer, that Jesus' work on the cross for you is what you need, that Jesus is the one who sets people free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free, free indeed. And that Romans 8 says that nothing, 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 even with a long list of nothings, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, you are safe. If you are in Christ, you have overcome. If you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven, your eternal life is set. If you are here today, and you're not fully certain of your identity, if you're here today and you don't know that you are trusting in Christ, you're not committed to the overcoming power and work of Jesus, then turn to him today. Today you decide to follow Jesus. Today you commit to be a Christian. Today you decide to live in light of the one who's done all the overcoming. There's a phrase we hear a lot that says, God won't give you more than you can handle. I know you say it, maybe I've said it before. When you're trying to comfort somebody that's in the struggle, you almost say anything, right? According to all the life experiences that you and I have witnessed, and according to the truth of God, yes, he will give you more than you can handle. Many a people have been beat down by this world and never risen above it. Many a people have suffered under the cruelty of the darkness and never found the light. It's the truth. It's the sad story of our world this day that many have been overcome. But it is the good news and the truth of the word of God that Jesus is the overcomer and God delights in bringing people to their end, rock bottom, so that they will finally and fully turn to him. I hope God has shown you that he's already given you more than you can handle and you found yourself going, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me. I hope you will admit today or you have already admitted or you will believe in your soul that life has totally overcome you. You may have good parents, you may have enough in the bank account, you may be healthy because you eat your vegetables and you take a walk, but life is more complex than those things and we have the ability to be overcome. Number one, the ability to not be overcome is only in Christ. Number two, the ability to be overcome is in us and so that leaves us longing for overcoming. That leaves us longing for the ability to overcome. Number three, and our final point today, is becoming an overcomer. The Bible teaches that we are overcomers through Christ. We are more than conquerors who him who saved us and loves us. Only in him, in Jesus' name, by faith in 
Christ. This is what the New Testament teaches. This is Christian discipleship, that as we are walking by faith and trusting in him, we live in light of the power of Christ. Our identity becomes his. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. His obedience becomes our obedience. His position becomes our position because we are trusting in Christ. And all that the Father gives to the Son, he gives to those who trust in him. We cannot emphasize and preach enough the need for you to trust in Jesus. Let me show you just a few passages, and you're going to maybe turn a lot or listen, but I want you to hear these. Understanding yourself in light of Christ. In that Revelation 12 passage that I read earlier, where it says that the devil is the deceiver of the whole world, listen what it says just two verses later. This is 12 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That that devil, that ancient serpent, that deceiver of the whole world has been conquered by believers, Revelation 12, 11, because of the blood of the lamb, because of their testimony, because they are trusting in Jesus as the Lord and Savior and King of their lives, they have overcome the devil. That's what the Bible teaches. That most passage in Philippians chapter 4, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to the context of all that needs to be overcome in this life. He says in verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. You get concerned about somebody when life is overwhelming, when life is overcoming to them. And even the apostle Paul is experiencing that. Verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Listen to this. This is the verse right before Philippians 4.13. We need to get it right. I know how to be brought low. Life will bring you low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The very verse that you and I love so much, Philippians 4.13, find its real depth meaning in the fact that life has overwhelmed, life has overcome struggle, hurt, hunger, need, desperation. Lowliness is where life will take you, even the believer, but the solution is what Christ has done and the strength that comes from being in Christ. What about this one from Isaiah chapter 40? This is one of the best passages. This is one of those passages that you go back to time and time again. Verse 29 of Isaiah 40 says that God gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he gives strength. Even youth shall faint, and they will be weary. Young men will be exhausted. Life will do that to you. But 
They who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Bible talks about how life will overwhelm you, but in God, in Christ, in the Lord, you will find your strength. This is what the Bible wants us to understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, as Paul is living under so much persecution and suffering, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, listen what he says. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death in their mission work, in some of the worst and hardest and poorest places in the world, opposed on every side, They thought this was it. We're done. We can't take it anymore. We have no more strength. God has left taking care of us. We felt we had death. But listen what he says next. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. If God has caused you to be so low, He's doing it so that you would not rely on yourself, but that you would rely on him. If God takes you to the place in your marriage, in your parenting, in your home, where you say, I can't do it anymore, he's got you right where he wants you. Turn to him. Surrender to him. In my prayer earlier, I quoted John 15 where Jesus says he's the vine and and we're the branches and he makes that statement, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do everything. This isn't the time where you throw in Philippians 4.13 and say, I can do everything. It's the time you recognize your weakness and say, I can't do anything, but in Christ, he will strengthen me to do whatever he needs me to do. Once again, Andrew Crawford has done a phenomenal job with our songs and let me, let me read these lyrics to you of what we just sang. No matter what comes my way, I will overcome. Listen to this. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I know what you've done. I'm fighting a battle that you've already won. If Christ is alive right now, and the devil punched him in the mouth and threw everything he could throw at him, the temptations, the ugliness, the evil, the darkness he poured on Christ. And Christ, our King, our Savior, who will one day stand as King of kings and Lord of lords over it all and will receive your praise and your worship as your knee bows and your tongue confesses his worth. Christ has overcome it. Christ is the overcomer. He's overcome the world and he's overcome all that this world has brought against in him, brought against him. And whoever trusts in Christ overcomes as well. You, John, can be an overcomer through him. I told you John is the one who uses this language most. And so as we start to wrap up this sermon, I want you to hear this. Just a few verses that speak specifically to this. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, 
You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. There is overcoming in Christ because Christ is greater than the devil. And the work Christ has done overcomes sin and the devil. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 1 John 5, 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the overcomer. He will not be overcome. You and I are the sinful ones who will be overcome by sin and life, and yet we can be overcomers. Just recently, my daughter found a gift card that she had from years ago And it was so old and beat up that we couldn't hardly make out the numbers or anything like that. We tried to to look up how much value was on it, and we couldn't do that. I tried to scratch off the, the thing to get the code, and the whole thing scratched off. I scratched all the way through the plastic, believe it or not. We have a hole where they need the pin. And that got me thinking, how do how do we figure out the value of this card? It could be zero, we'll just forget about it. But it could be like a hundred bucks. Hundred dollar gift card, and we can't part with it if there's a chance of that. And so I've just kind of been dreaming. What if we found the person that gave it to us? And what if they still had the receipt? And what if we solved it? That would be awesome. Probably not happen, but we've not parted with this gift card yet. There's a chance. By the way, it's McDonald's too, okay? $100 gift card to McDonald's would be amazing. But in a very, very real sense, I wanted to share that. That's kind of how our lives are. They'll get used and worn out, up and down. We'll feel like we can't find the value. Can't find my purpose. Just trying to figure out who I am. What's my place in this world? I know God's got a plan for me, but I can't find it. Those are the things that you say and feel. And while we may never find the the source of our gift card, John says we found the source of your life. We know how much your life's worth. We know the value of your life. He's the creator. He's the eternal word. He's the one from the beginning. He's the life and the light, and nobody overcomes him. You get in Christ, and you'll overcome as well. There is no reason, no reason why you should leave without trusting in Christ. Turn to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the overcomer, Jesus. Thank you for John's simple words, God. Nobody's confused about that, that the darkness cannot overcome he who is the light. Father, we pray that you would make us overcomers. Save us, strengthen us, empower us to live in light of your love for us and the forgiveness of sins. 
God calls us to be a church that's committing to you, believing in you, turning to you, depending upon you, relying upon you, doing all that we do because of Christ. Work that in us we ask. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.